I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Welcome back to Keanu Believe It, the Talk Film Society podcast that is all Keanu Reeves all the time. I'm Sam Van Heron, assistant editor at TFS and a lifelong fan of the singular Keanu Reeves. I'm your guide through his diverse and interesting career. Uh, each week, a guest and I will discuss a film from his filmography, which we're going through in chronological order. In this episode, we'll be discussing 1989's Parenthood. Uh, my guest to discuss the family comedy drama is... Austin Shin. How's it going, Austin? Doing good. Great. Uh, so I always like asking my guests when it's their first time, uh, being as this is a Keanu podcast. Uh, so what do you think about Keanu, Austin? I'm a huge fan. I mean, I it's one of those things. How many people have Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and John Wick on their resumes, and both are equally effective? It's I, a good I question. Just, <laughs> I I just I think the guy's a tremendous presence. I I think he's got real un, uncredited range. Uh, I'm a big fan of his work in The Gift, uh, where he really got to be tremendously menacing and unsettling in a way that he hasn't gotten to do very often. Right. And I just again I just think the guy can do just about anything he's put to, to the task on. And I'm a massive John Wick fan, so. Yep, I'm right there with you. So, I mean, obviously I'm right there with you. I wouldn't have started this without that. But, uh, yeah, so I agree with everything you said. Uh, I think it's been good uh, over these last nine episodes talking to people that feel the same way. And even though, you know, it's it's also good to have, you know, people with slightly differing opinions. But at least at the same time, people still, I feel like, like the, like the guy. Even if they're not a huge fan of his acting necessarily. But... At the same time, I think he's a great actor. So, uh, so yeah, so today's uh, episode uh, is all about Parenthood, which uh, was directed by Ron Howard, uh, with a story by Ron Howard, uh, Babalu Mandel, and Lowell Gans, with a screenplay by Mandel and Gans. Uh, and I had seen this movie a couple times, you know, just like, uh, this is my first time seeing it all the way through, but I had seen it on cable throughout the years, you know, bits and pieces, and... Uh, but how about you? Had you seen... Uh, I, I hear that you're a big fan of this movie. Yeah, this is actually not even my first podcast on the film, to be honest, because I did an episode on it for my cast. And okay. uh, it's one that I go back to a, a lot throughout life. And I, I think it's because it's a film that I've watched at different points in my life. Um, the first time I saw it, it was my sophomore year of high school, and I was far removed from the situation in the film. And now... I'm currently dealing with a two-year-old who is trying to escape the house. <laughs> All right, yeah. So for those of you listening, uh, if you hear a two-year-old, it's not sound effects that I'm adding. Uh, I actually personally asked uh, Austin to bring his child into the <laughs> into the podcast, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. all good. Uh, so, She's yeah. just 
<laughs> She's just grumpy. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, but I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it's just, it's one of those very good, one of those great family comedy drama movies that just, uh, but I think what's, let's, yeah, might as well dive into the plot of the movie. Uh, I loved, I loved this opening uh, with, uh, I wasn't really sure what was going on, you know, it just seemed like a kid at a, it was clearly not, you know, modern day, but there was a kid at a baseball park. Uh, you know, his dad uh, is clearly not a great uh, father figure. He's just kind of ditching him at his birthday. But then it turns out that it's actually uh, the main character, Gil, uh, played by Steve Martin, uh, having a memory slash daydream of his childhood. And I thought this was its a really great way to get you into the both the uh, kind of when they do they do these fantasy things quite often in the movie and mm-hmm. so it kind of gets us into that but also uh, kind of establishes what the themes and the tone that this movie's going for yeah it does and it's it's very effective I, mean, I think the movie does a really good job of you're right it sets the tone immediately it sets that this is a family film but it's also kind of a slightly darker you know we're not going to this is not leave it to beaver this is not right. going to be a saccharine story this is there are some real issues here and I, and I do like that about the tone of the movie yeah for sure uh yeah so the uh basically gills uh a neurotic uh businessman it's, it's kind of unclear exactly what he does is it marketing or advertising or it, something it doesn't matter right. it's, it's a, just, it is what it's a job right it's an at, you know it's a firm you know it's a it's a office job it's basically what you need to know and that he's uh, so he's married to Karen played by Mary Steenburgen who's great in this everyone's great in this I got to give uh, I, I got to give a shout out to her cuz she's a hometown girl from uh, She's a Little Rock North Little Rock girl, so... Oh, wow, yeah, I, I know. Sh- That's awesome. Yeah, she's from my hometown, so... <laughs> and she she is always great. Yeah, and then... Uh, so basically, it follows uh, Gil and his uh, three siblings and their families. And so it follows uh, their family through... You know, it shows their uh, journeys through... Uh, I mean, it's just basically a slice of their lives, which is uh, really well done. And it's all... Um, Basically, them dealing with the challenges and joys of uh, parenthood. So, um, yeah, and uh, Gil's first sister, uh, Helen, played by Diane Weist. Uh, and this was great. I think uh, this pl- plot line of it is really great. Uh, her son, Gary, who's played by uh, Joaquin Phoenix a ver- his fir- in his first role uh, as Lee Phoenix. And I was... I couldn't get over it, uh, how young he looks in this. It's so He's a baby. Wild. Yeah. Uh, and then her daughter, uh, Julie, played by Martha Plimpton from, uh, you know, The Goonies, and uh, she's a great actress. Uh, and she, so that, and that's our first introduction to Keanu, because she is uh, dating uh, Todd, who play, is played by Keanu. Uh, so he has a pretty uh, funny uh, introduction of uh, you know, the mom comes into the, her daughter's bedroom and is like, uh, I heard moaning last night. So it's, again, right into it that this is not a uh, watered-down, you know, uh, story at all. So, uh, yeah, and I think I think Keanu does a great job in this. I was a little... Uh, at first, he just seems to be 
doing another one of those uh, early, you know, his late 80s kind of dweeb performances, but then he really, which we'll get to later, but he really kind of taps into, does a very good job in this movie. It's interesting that you you now look back and realize there's a movie where uh, Keanu Reeves mentors Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, that's kind of crazy to stop and think. Right, and especially thinking that they were like, you know, looking at it, looking at them both now, you, you you know, it's kind of surprising that Keanu's like ten years older than uh, Joaquin Phoenix. There's, there's nothing against Joaquin. I'm just saying that, like, especially looking back, at, it, it's a it's a funny thing to, to look at for sure. Uh, and then yeah, and then Gil has another sister named Susan, uh, and she's married to uh, Nathan, uh, who's played by Rick Moranis, uh, and they have a young daughter named Patty and this is they're basically the idea behind them is that uh Patty you know that Nathan's very committed to Patty trying to make him make her very uh you know advanced for her age he's basically all spends all his time mentoring and educating uh his uh daughter to the point where she's a little uh you know doesn't really have many kid friends um and uh, I liked Rick Moranis' performance in this a lot. Uh, I don't think I've ever disliked Rick Moranis in something. So, <laughs> now movies like this are why I really do miss the man on screen. Uh, mad, mad respect to him for walking away when he didn't feel it anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, he is missed. He is greatly missed. Uh, and of course, the, it, yeah. it's funny. I do have to point out, you almost have to look at the milieu that some of these actors were in. This was the same year that Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure got off the shelf mm-hmm. uh, for Keanu. And then for Rick Moranis, this was the same summer as Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's remarkably nuanced how the movie doesn't the movie doesn't have bad guys, no. necessarily. No. It has people that do bad things. Like in another movie, Jason Robard's character would be an irredeemable monster right. who at the end of the film, you're hoping winds up alone and the movie never really stresses it too much, but you can tell he has some guilt over how he handled things. For sure. He's, he's not okay with how he handled things. And of course, I mean, Robards is one of those actors. He never turned in a bad performance. Um, he's also one of the very lucky ones that he got to go out with his last performance being one of his all time best with Magnolia. Right. And then again, yeah, it's kind of, I was, that's something I noted that it's, you know, ten years. These roles are ten years apart, and he does similar. Uh, both being, you know, dads that uh, could have done. I mean, obviously, the one in Magnolia is a little. Uh, it's a little more uh, intense, obviously, but uh, yeah. So then the movie, uh, the first scene where we see them all together is them leading up to uh, Frank, who is the patriarch of the family, played by Jason Robards. It's his birthday, uh, and so we kind of do this. They have this good thing of setting up, uh, you know, the relationships between the siblings and then also, um, you know, there are various kids and, um, and then we, it, the kind of big thing in this, in this scene is that, uh, their slightly prodigal brother, Larry, uh, played by Tom Hulse, uh, shows up, uh, and it's clear that they all have a very, they all have very complicated feelings, uh, when it comes to Larry, um, and then the surprise is that he has a uh, surprise son that he only found out about a few months ago. Uh, and it's clear that something's going on with Larry, even though he's not letting it. He's, he's clearly someone who hides uh, 
his emotions and his uh, problems from his family. So, yeah, they they never really do make it completely clear what all of his issues are. You find True. out what some of them are. Right. Um, Hulse is another one of those actors that he just dropped off the map. Uh, yeah, he, he just did. quit because he. The last thing I saw him in was in. Uh, stranger than fiction he has a great small part in that that is hysterical and he, he just it's the same situation with moranis he just he didn't enjoy it anymore so he just quit sure uh which yeah you gotta respect but then at the same time he's one of those actors that you i uh he, he's a he's a that guy for me like i don't necessarily know everything that he's been in but it's one of the, he's a definitely a performer that you recognize but he tends to show up in, in movies that I'm like, okay, those are really interesting films, like Animal House or mm-hmm. right. um, this or Stranger Than Fiction, movies sure. that evoke a reaction in me. And, of course, Amadeus, to say the least. Right. Of course. Yeah, that's his big, obviously, his big... Uh, did he, would, I don't know. If, was he nominated for that or was he just... I'm pretty sure he was nominated. Um, I know he didn't win. Uh, F. Murray Abraham was the winner for that movie. Right, yeah. And that's, yeah, phenomenal. Um, but yeah, he's oh. good in this. Uh, I mean, even though, like, I, I, you know, it's very... Uh, anyway, well, well I'll, I don't know. I'm rambling there. But, uh, okay, so then it... Um, basically, uh, the back to Gil and Karen, uh, their oldest son, Kevin, is really the focus of the film for them. Um, uh, basically, they get a call from... Uh, the principal saying that they need to meet, um, and there's this great scene with them, uh, with Karen and Gil, uh, in bed and they're like trying to get intimate, but then the kids are, you know, like, uh, they're just, they keep coming back to like, what are the kids up to? You know, what what are we doing? Uh, that scene is, uh, that scene is so true. Right. Let me tell you. (laughs) Uh, and, uh, so basically that, the Kevin, uh, they have this thing where he, he makes a face. That's the kind of thing that they first say that he keeps making this. Uh, they think he's tense, and that he, uh, and you know, they find out at this meeting with the principal uh, that they think he has what they what they say quote emotional problems. Uh, you know, you know, emotionally tr- whatever. Um, so it's so uh, obviously uh, in if for people that have maybe been familiar with the uh, TV show version uh, of this movie. They explicitly state in that that their oldest son has uh, autism, but so it's. I'm I'm wondering what you thought about that. I uh, I would rank this movie with the all-time best depictions that I've ever seen of the disorder, Um, without hesitation. This is one of my favorite depictions of the disorder. It's one of the truest depictions Um, because there's not a detail it gets wrong. Uh, I. It's one of those things. They don't call it autism because right. in 1989, and I know this from having talked to my parents, they weren't really ready to put that word on it sure. if you were a functioning person. Right. Uh, because this movie came out in 1989, and it, I should really give some, a little bit of context for that moment. That was the moment that my parents were trying to figure out why this, why I was not quote-unquote right. Mm-hmm. There was something wrong with me. My father has told me before that this is a movie that he really loves, and I can't help but wonder if he loves it because he relates to Gil. Sure. Because when it came out, my parents were trying to figure out who I was, and of course, eventually, I would get the diagnosis of autism. 
and uh, but this the the but that's maybe I think the reason that this movie hit me so hard the first time I saw it was because I saw myself in that and I was like sure. I know what this feels like so yeah I think it's fantastic in its handling of it yeah so yeah I think you're right that uh you know that it's they don't say it in this but then it's clear you know looking back I'm sure that's uh you know what they were looking for. and yeah but, but then also the way they handle it uh, they don't you know the, it's not like the kind of movie where the parents are immediately like okay fine let's do that you know it, they're very much it's very again like you said it's very realistic and true uh in every way in terms of uh family problem you know family issues and family uh just you know the the, the parents don't aren't completely okay with it right away you know they, they're even you know in active denial of it um and i think the i think the truest thing about the movie is that it doesn't end with some magic cure for it right this is still an issue that's going to be going on because, let me tell you, at 34 years old, this is it, it doesn't ever get. There's never a moment where you just pass the poll and it's like, okay, now you're now, now you're better. Right. No. No. Right. I have a kid of my own now, and I'm not even better. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, as someone, I have a physical disability, so it's you know, it's it's different, but it's at the game, at the same time, it's got the same share of when my I'm sure when, you know when my parents. Uh, I'm my older brother also has uh, the same disability, but um, you know they told me about this. You know their experiences with that. You know they, um, you know the doctors told them one thing about you know that it, A and B is going to happen for sure, and um, you know parents having to deal with that, and but also when they're you know the uh, the psychologist tell them that Kevin's basically never going to be able to. Uh, fit in with the other kids or into a normal school or whatever a and b and but then you know the parents realize that but their kids so they still need to do their best with what they can do and um you know try to make their kid uh as happy as possible so and i want to say something about that before anybody says that that's the movie getting everything you know too negative no i i can tell you that's how the diagnosis went for me uh, and that was in 1997, and it still wasn't a more hopeful diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And I, and again, that's why I think the movie rings so true to me. Is and the parents saying, "Well, no, we're still going to fight. We're still going to try." Right. That's so honest. And oh, yeah, it hit me. Yeah, it hits you pretty hard. It's, but even, I feel like even if you don't necessarily have a uh, any kind of disability, I think that still hits you. Like that, you know, that when you, if, especially if you might not have unfortunately not have parents that are you know at that level or you know whatever and you know you know what i'm saying that the it's a it's a very powerful and true uh movie in every sense and it's still powerful for me as i'm looking at the uh, very thing that i was told yeah you probably shouldn't expect to have that Mm -hmm. i was told yeah don't 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 be looking to be a dad and i'm currently looking at my daughter right now who is smiling at me very (laughs) big she's a good kid um but yeah, I mean, you're you're right. That and I think that's I've got to give credit to Steve Martin and Mary Steenburgen for how great they are in that thread. Yeah, especially Martin because this was where really where he was starting to shift more towards nuanced. Right. You know, he'd done the comedy thing and he'd shown that he was one of the greatest comic actors of all time. I, I'm a massive Steve Martin fan. Um, and this was where, really where he was starting to kind of shift and pivot with this and Father of the Bride and, and really show the depth that he had as an actor. 
Right. And they do a good job in this of, like, you know, the first stuff we see him in is, you know, the more broad, uh, like, obviously one of the early scenes is him getting puked on by his daughter. Uh, So the, but then they slowly uh, shift to the, you know, him uh, having, you know, showing real uh, rawness and uh, emotional vulnerability throughout the movie. Uh, Like, specifically when he um, both, especially the scene when they find out, when they know when they're tell him about Kevin and just the, just, it's a mostly nonverbal performance in that scene where he's kind of just, you know, like, how do you, how do you take that news? How do you, um, and then they have another scene later in the film with, uh, him talking with Jason Robards that is just a really phenomenal scene. Um, them kind of having a heart to heart and, uh, Frank says to, you know, Gil, uh, I was, you think I'm a lousy father. Like he just, lays it out there and he's like don't lie to me that's true and then but then it's not like they have a big blowout fight it's very much just they have a nice moment that's not necessarily forgiving or forgetting but just that this is the case let's try to do what we can do from now on you know again that really is kind of the state of everything in this movie is nothing is wrapped up neatly in a bow you believe these issues are going to keep going. That's why this would never get made as a movie today. This would be a TV series without question. Right. Uh, Which I, I kind of hate because I think this works so beautifully as a film. Right. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, so back, you know, the, uh, Helen, uh, his sister is dealing with Gary. And, uh, so then there's this, we really get into that, this stuff with, um, so she's dealing with her, daughter who she finds out is um you know has sex with her boyfriend and um and i think again this is another thing that they handle really well especially especially kind of surprisingly well for a uh late 90s or i mean late 80s early 90s uh type of film and they are very um you know nuanced and obviously this is a very liberal movie i'm not going to deny like they're they uh, i actually I actually was thinking about it today, and I, as I was driving around, I was thinking, this is a movie that is a liberal approach to conservative ideas. Right. You know, the ideas of family and the importance of it, and because it was made by people who are very liberal, but who also know this world. I right. Think, so you're right. It is. It's very sex positive. Yeah, I mean, because she's straight. I mean, there, like, there's a great scene where, um, so when she finds out that her daughter's sleeping with her boyfriend... Uh, she kind of has this, you know, the kind of a stereotypical blow up, you know, like get out of my house. Don't ever come back. But then they do this great way where like, uh, they show her looking away from the window and they have a shot of, uh, Julie looking like, like she doesn't want to leave. Right. Like she's like almost about to come back, but then she's like waiting for her mom to stop her. And then she walks away. And then as she walks away, then she runs out to try to, you know, say, I'm sorry, you can come back anytime. So they, that's a really great, uh, I like that a lot. It's a very good way to kind of subvert that trope. So I, 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 I want to just briefly touch on Martha Plimpton because she would go on to be on Raising Hope. Right. Where she'd kind of get to play the next phase of this then, playing the grandmother. For sure. Uh, on that show. And she is such a tremendous comic actress. Uh, I mean, I really believe that if the best review of this movie is just to list the cast and True. be done with it. But she she is such a tremendous comic actress who has rarely gotten the material she deserves because she is so electric. And 
I, I love Diane Weist. Uh, she's great in everything she does, and she gives so much in this. This is my oh, favorite thing she's ever done by yeah, far. She's amazing in this. Like the just the even just some of the reactions she makes and the just the the conflict she's dealing you know inner conflict. It's clear in every you know word or uh, movement she makes, and it's really impressive. And she doesn't really. Uh, I think uh, Leaf uh, Joaquin Phoenix does a really good young job uh, in this movie. Um, it's clear why he's. I think you can kind of see the roots of him, you know, being one of the greatest actors now uh, of his generation. It, some of it's. It's clear funny in there. because. It's funny because it's still a very quiet performance, mm-hmm. which he would go on to be so well known for as an right, adult. Exactly. He he's already got that down, conveying so much with just a tiny bit of expression. Uh, it's kind of funny because when I watched this movie for the first time, it was at the same time that I'd just seen Gladiator, and uh, boy, there there is a performance where he obviously looked at the script was like, "Well, this is terrible. I'm going to have fun with this." Mm-hmm. Because he's so good in it, just giving the hammiest, most ridiculous performance. Right. Yeah. Gladiator is one of my favorite movies, but at the same time, that his yeah, the writing for his character in particular is really not good. But he just he's like okay, it's but he he realizes the kind of dialogue it is and nails it. So yeah. But uh, in this, uh, there's the you know like moments where um, you don't necessarily know he's there, and then uh, he's like overhearing his conversation. Um, you know, between his mom and his sister, and just the reaction. Like, there's a moment where, um, so she leaves for, uh, Julie leaves to live with uh, Keanu, and then comes back a few scenes later, where saying that, you know, she's, they're kind of having this moment where they're like, you know, men are scum. And then they cut over, and uh, Gary's standing there listening to this, uh, and just kind of, again, like, doesn't say anything, but you just feel the, pain on his face and uh and then but yeah then i really like this uh idea that uh helen kind of lets julie and todd move in with her um because she's basically like uh they're going to be doing this anyway so this is again where it comes back to the very liberal uh idea of you know raising a family that she's like why not let them be safe and comfortable and uh, where you know where I can try to help her as much as I can, um, and at first you think it's maybe it's a mistake because they start like there's like a scene where uh, they're like shaving each other's heads in the bathroom, um, but then it all comes to a head when um, so there's this mo- and another really great scene with Joaquin is uh, when he wants to go live with his dad uh, and he calls his dad on the phone and we only see him and uh, Helen you know and Diane Weiss's reactions to his deadbeat dad being a being a jerk and uh, just him just almost breaking down in tears while he's on the phone with his dad is really heartbreaking to watch. Now that's one that's one area that I can safely say I did not relate to. Um, I to this day have a fantastic relationship <laughs> with my father and and honestly that probably has a lot to do with why I'm sitting here right now playing with my own daughter because I believe so much in that. But yeah, I had a lot of, the thing is I had a lot of friends who had deadbeat dads and the movie gets that right. How you want that relationship to be there. And it ain't going to be there no matter what you do. Right. And so he, uh, so uh, he basically, there's a scene where he breaks into his dad's dentist's office and destroys it. Um, and then, uh, so then we cut to her, Helen finding out about this and then she, 
finally breaks down and breaks into his room to see what he's been hiding because she obviously she's seen that um, he's been smuggling something in and out of his room but she's kind of just been distracted and kind of just in denial of it and she goes in there and uh, finds out that it's a bunch of uh, porno porno tapes Uh, and there's this other and then then the, the tonal balance of this movie is basically some of the best I've ever seen in terms of balancing the broad comedy and the uh, true drama and there's this moment where uh, she's like she sees the tapes and then her grandma walks by and she's like uh, what, what TV channel are you watching? Uh, and then uh, she's like one of those men reminded me of your grandfather and it's like uh, so again funny but then it and in a lesser movie the cut from that you know broad com- broad joke to a really uh tender moment between uh, Helen and Gary would be laughable but it just works so well in this because it's so true to life which we keep saying I, again and again but. You, gotta, you gotta give Ron Howard credit for having grown up on the sets of two of the greatest sitcoms of all time and clearly picking up a lot about handling comedy because right. I mean he's made some pretty bad comedies mm-hmm. but you know, he's he's very much a script dependent director, I believe. Right. But when he has good material, he knows how to handle that very tricky balance. And you can really see the influence of Happy Days on this movie. Um, you, you can see the influence of the Andy Griffith show. Because, um, right. you know, two great shows. God bless Nick at Night for me being able to reference those, by the way. <laughs> right. Right there with you. Uh, yeah, and then. So then there's this moment where, uh, so she's talking with Gary and she's like, do you know, do you want to talk to me about this? And uh, he says, no. And then, how about your Uncle Gil? And he says, he's too busy with his own kids. And then there's this moment where she, like, leans really close to him. Uh, uh, Todd's in the doorway. She leans really close to him and she says, how about Todd? And they look over at him and he's wearing, like, x-ray specs. And it's just a great, it's it's great. Uh, I love it. I, I had to rewind the it to scene, watch it twice. It's so funny. The scene... The scene where Reeves just sits there and just tells tells Helen everything, and you know it's just being so wise and kind and getting it. Right. I I, I love that. Yeah. I, it's it's really. Yeah. After so yeah after he talks with uh, Gary, we don't see that talk, but then we see him uh, and Helen in the kitchen, and yeah, this scene is probably my favorite scene of the movie. Mine um, too. Yeah, and and I was I thought I was talking to my brother who I was watching this with. Uh, Afterwards, that I was like, this is clear. This is one of those movies, you know, as I'm, uh, you know, rewatching all these movies and watching some for the first time early in his career, it's clear why some people have that uh, opinion that Keanu's a very one dimensional actor and that he, it's because he was typecast a little bit in these movies, but at the same time, he's playing a similar, you know, a Teddish performance, but each one is different enough. Because of how good, I speak to how good he is, that he, because this character, yeah, it's a little Ted-like in terms of, whoa, dude, you know, that kind of thing. But he's, so, again, like you said, just, he's clearly a wise, good kid. Uh, and, yeah, it's very clear in his performance that he's, you know, a very skilled actor. So I feel like it's one of those things where people just assumed that this is all he could do and then kind of never got over that false narrative, but... Which, again, is so bizarre to me because it's like we've had years of performances to to contradict that. But again, even this, 
this is not Ted. And I say as someone who adores Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and uh, bogus journey, I, this is the real world version of that character. This is that character who has read a few books, basically. Yeah. And probably my favorite line of the movie, uh, is he says to her, um, you know, you need a license to drive a car. Hell, you don't even need a license to catch a fish. But any butt-reaming asshole can be a father. Uh, and that's a, you know, it's a great, uh, that he points out that being a father isn't just being the biological, uh, you know, father. It's being there for your kids. It's being there for your family, even if you're not necessarily together anymore. And that's kind of... You know, it's a really powerful. It's kind of what the whole movie is kind of focused it's, into that one line. It's so. a thesis statement. That's right. the thesis statement of the movie. And uh, yeah, so it's. I really, I just keep, the more I think about this movie, the more I love it. It's just, it's a really. I'm, gl- I'm glad I kind of waited to see it till now, um, just because I, you know, having more. It's one of those movies that I had heard about forever and kind of wanted to see for a long time, but it's, ultimately, I'm glad I saw it when I saw it. So. Uh, I definitely recommend to check this out. Yeah. It's one that my father really pushed on me growing up uh, and was happy when I finally threw it in. Um, I actually watched it because I, uh, the same day that I saw how the Grinch stole Christmas because I was really kind of angry walking (laughs) out of that movie. I was like, this is bad. Okay. I would really watch a good Ron Howard movie. Let me watch that. Right. (laughs) And uh, I, I did, and this was a perfect antidote. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, and as, go ahead. And as I said, I've come back to it multiple times over the years and found myself in very different positions. Of course, that's now half a lifetime away ago that I first watched it. Right. And my life is very different now. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, so I guess we're going to talk a little bit more about, um, so with Larry, uh, this is kind of the, you know, it's a pretty... His storyline is the most uh, kind of sad, and um, you know, you can see the there's so basically he uh, the reason he's in town is because uh, well he owes bookies twenty seven thousand dollars and they're gonna kill him if he doesn't pay it off and so he first he tries to steal his dad's uh, classic car to sell it uh, and then um, so then basically his dad. Um, agrees to after having a after this conversation which we talked about his conversation with uh gill basically saying that uh i'm gonna help my he's like he's basically asking gill's uh, advice of whether he should help larry or not but then in the scene he's like but he's it's clear he made up his mind he's gonna do it anyway because 27 years old he's still he said he's still my son and so even though he knows that his son might uh let him down again he has to at least make the effort because it's his, you know, so it's kind of that his dad may have been kind of a bum when they were kids and still is a bit, but he's like kind of, uh, you know, meeting cool and meeting his grandkids. And he's kind of making the decision that he has to start being the dad now that he, you know, wasn't before. And it's Robards does a great job selling that. And, uh, there's a scene where he basically says, you know, I'll help you pay it off. If you come to work for me, um, but then, you know, he's like, Larry agrees. And then just the next second, he's like, no, I can't do that. I need to leave. I need to try to, uh, I can't be a plumber, uh, plumbing supply salesman and 
raise this kid, and he basically just abandons uh, his son with his grandparents. Um, but it's not. But again, it doesn't demonize anyone. Like it's very much just that this Larry's not equipped yet to be um, the father. But maybe like his dad, he'll come back at some point. But it's not. There's no easy answers in this. There's no. No one gets away with it. But at the same time, they're not saying that Larry's a you know horrible monster. So uh, that's he's a flawed really person. Exactly, he's a flawed person. And and I also think that's the truth of addiction is you're you have to hit you can hit rock bottom and you have to hit rock bottom several times right i mean it's not going to get fixed right it's a you know it's again he's dealing again there's lots of um people dealing with different uh you know emotional emotional issues and but then again it's like that's part of life right like this move again this movie is a very it's a very deeply human uh you know empathetic movie and it's pretty remarkable especially considering it's going on 30 years old now but um and then uh and then the one of the, the other storyline so is with uh his sister susan and her and nathan um this story it's it's probably the weakest story of the four but it's still good it's not bad it's just that it's kind of uh the, the performances are really good um i'm blanking on uh Su- the actress who plays susan a uh, harley jane kozak that's it um and she and again it's not it just I feel like the, in any kind of um, ensemble uh, narrative, it's going to be there's going to be one that's left a little bit behind. But the performances are so good that it, it's easily forgivable. But um, it's the stakes are lower. Right. It's, it's a lower stakes sequence. Which, but again, you need I guess you know you kind of need that in a movie like this. But, you do. Uh, so basically, she leaves him because he's so focused on um, you know basically making his living slightly vicariously through his uh, gifted child. Um, and she, um, you know, basically leaves him because of, and there's a fun, funny, also sad scene where she uh, breaks up with him via flashcard because that's the only way that she can get through to him. Um, and then it, he makes up, makes it up to her by doing a crazy romantic gesture uh by saying, why do birds suddenly appear in her uh, biology class, so or science class? But <laughs> what a what a movie thing! And right. uh, again, I it's one of those things that you would see that tension in relationships. I have seen that play out many times in my in the lives of people I've known. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's true. Parents of gifted children. That's that's how it works. There's a lot of pressure. Um, right. I, I also, unfortunately, have to relate to that a little bit myself. Um, I was in gifted and talented programs, and I was pushed hard. Unfortunately, I didn't have any aptitude for anything that would have uh, made me a successful gifted and talented adult, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, and then, so, uh, back to, uh, you know, Gil and Karen. Um, there's another, the other part of it is that, uh, so he's dealing with work and you know he basically says that um you know his boss keeps passing him over for a promotion and there's a scene between him and his boss where he says like you're uh you're the guy that does the work but you're not the guy that you know you're not a killer you're not someone who is gonna uh you know basically sacrifice your family life for the job and at first there's a little bit of uh guilt kind of dealing with that but then at the same time he's like 
it's ultimately him dealing with that he likes that. He's okay with sacrificing that part for his uh, family. And it all comes to a head when uh, he quits his job and finds out that uh, Karen is pregnant. And there's a really frank and comp- and uh, nuanced conversation they have about um, abortion. They're, you know, they're, again, it's, it's a movie that, you know, it's surprising that they, I didn't think they, you know, talk that bluntly and interestingly about it uh, in the 80s, so. Um, That's interesting, because this is a PG-13, too. Right. Uh, and so this, there's a line... This, and this, yeah, go ahead. This movie talks about a lot of stuff that you would not see talked about in an, even an R-rated movie nowadays, unless it was played completely for laughs. Or if it was like a... Yeah, especially in a studio comedy, it would be maybe something... Yeah, like, we'd see that in maybe a, you know indie drama or something, but definitely not in uh, a big studio movie starring... Like, uh, I don't know, Will Ferrell or something. So, uh, but uh, it does a, uh, there's a line where, you know, he says like, uh, it's your choice. So, and it's not like, you know, and uh, anyway, but they, uh, so maybe he's thinking that he doesn't want to have a kid, you know, any more kids because that would mean another 10 years of, you know, just being a dad and working, working just to, you know, make ends meet, not necessarily... Um, you know, become a huge partner with the firm where he did to sacrifice family time. Um, but then it comes to um, uh, basically when he, uh, there's a scene where uh, him and Karen make up after a fight and uh, his grandma tells a story about uh, she's basically hearing this conversation and it seems she's telling, because throughout the movie she tells random, you know, it's a typical grandma telling a random nonsense story um, and so then we think that that's what she's doing again, where she talks about, um, like, you know, roller coasters being scary and exciting. Uh, and she said, you know, I always liked the roller coaster. Um, and then it comes back to them in a play and, um, their youngest son causes havoc at the play. And at first it's back to Gil being neurotic and worried about it. And then it starts doing this really great, um, camera movements where it makes it seem like it's, you know that he's in a roller coaster, uh, and then he just kind of accepts it and starts laughing, and it's a really, really nice moment. And it's so true. I, I, again, this movie is just so spot on about. You know, I'm still in the early phases of learning about this job. Um, I've only been doing it for two years now, and uh, I mean, it really is one of those things. You just have to accept it. You just have to write it out. Right. Uh, yeah, and so it's a really great, you know, it's kind of all comes to that moment, you know, it's all building to that moment, and uh, it's just, yeah, it's just a really well done uh, movie with uh, all of that, and then it comes to, then it skips to basically a coda of the movie is um, back at the hospital, and it's unclear, um, you know, who's giving birth, uh, because there's three or four characters in this that are... Um, pregnant and then it shows that it's uh secretly helen who started which we skipped over but uh, he start, started dating um gary's uh, biology teacher and there's another great scene um go back really quick before we end this um where uh todd is drag racing uh and gets into an accident um and basically there's a moment where um she says uh she helen helps convinces them to stay together uh, and raise this baby together, 
Um, and there's a moment with Gary and Helen where Gary asks, like, you know, why'd you do that for them? And she said, she says something along the line, I'm paraphrasing here, about um, anything you kids want, I'll help you get it. That's all I can do. And so that's a really, you know, touching uh, moment between them. And then he says, uh, Gary says, like, I'm glad you're dating uh, my teacher because he's funny and he'd make you happy and you deserve someone to make you happy. And so that's just, it's a really sincere and lovely uh, beat. Just throughout the movie, they very earned character emotional moments and it's wonderful. This really, it's interesting. This movie, it came out at the end of the 80s and I think this is really kind of where some of the worst parts of the 80s were confronted and kind of put to rest in some way uh, with, you know, Gil realizing that, no, the corporate world is not what matters to him. That was kind of a bold move in a movie where after a decade where it had all been about, no, that's what we celebrate. It's kind of nice to have a movie where someone goes, no, no, this is not me. And that's fine. And yeah, and it's clearly, you have to see how personal this is uh, for Ron Howard. And it's clear that you know, one thing I've gotten tired of, over, and I was guilty of this when in my, you know, more cynical teen days of being a movie fan, but, you know, I would buy into the fact that, uh, you know, Ron Howard is very much a journeyman director, and he's very, uh, he's made some great movies and some not great movies, but people always give him credit, because he's very, he's not, like, he's not an auteur, and he's not a difficult director, he's, everyone likes, there's only good stories of Ron Howard, and he's only... And it's because he focused on being a family man and also, but while also being an artist, uh, and clearly he has a big family too. And so it's, you know, it's very clear that I'm like, good for Ron Howard. We need more directors like that. You know, we need more artists that are talented and not, but not bold necessarily, but cons- does consistent the thing is, work and go ahead. I think there is something of it. If he has one O-tier quality, it's that he's really good at character-driven work. For sure. And and I think uh, this and Apollo 13 really show that he's really drawn to strongly etched people and ensembles and just conveying people, conveying basic humanity. That's why something like The Grinch is a bad fit for him. Mm-hmm. And we- weirdly enough, why Solo turned out to be actually a pretty solid fit for him. Right. Because it was... It was a character-driven film. Right, and then at the same time, but he also is a very, when he wants, he's very, you know, with this and with both Solo and Rush, where he shows more of the visual eye, and he's, you know, Howard's just one of my, you know, I think we he's just a great, you know, I, I think he does, he's made some really great films, some of my favorites, and, uh, and now add this to the pile, so. Um, Frost Nixon does not come up enough in the conversation. It doesn't. Frost because that is a hell of a film and yeah it's stuff like this again it's when he has a good script he knows he's got a good script yeah him and peter morgan have a really good connect you know when they've worked together together it's been with that and a rush again he just he gets good material out and i i don't know just this movie really hit me hard it's continued to hit me hard and it's one that i'll go back to over the years and I'm probably right there with you. Uh, so that pretty much does it for uh, this episode about parenthood. Thank you so much, Austin, for coming on to talk about it. Pleasure to be on. Uh, all right. So thanks, everyone. Uh, join me next time where 
Uh, my guest and I will be... It'll be a special two-part episode uh, with the films I Love You to Death and Tune In Tomorrow. So tune in next time. And keep being excellent to each other.